I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bears lose. They fall to the Atlanta Falcons and drop to 3-8 and eight on the season. Keep it here as the score team dissects the loss. Plus, we'll have your reaction, too, here on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! score! We're back with more of the Scores Bears post-game show with Mully from the Mully and Haw Show and former Bears long-snapping Ironman Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. Yes, indeed, it's the post-game show, and we're breaking down what was a... uh... A bad loss, frankly, for the Bears, a 27-24 loss at Atlanta. The uh, the Falcons, a, still a big part of the uh, of the picture in their conference. The Bears fall to 3-8, probably picking in the top five at this point. Some people will be happy about that. But, you know, I, I really uh, – I was totally bummed, Patrick, when you, when you said that uh, – Darnell Mooney quote. I don't know why that bothered me, but it did bother me. Yeah, I guess Grody, maybe Grody interviewed him after the game or talked to I said, just me being tired from previous plays. It's like he blamed himself for the misconnection with the Justin Fields and the, and the bomb in the first quarter. Just being tired from the previous plays. I don't, I don't know. I, can't, I guess I'm going to question him. Screw it. So it's the second series, Molly. Yeah. It's the second series of the game. I know. It's the second, and it says uh, the fifth play on the second series of the game. The first play was a Montgomery run. The second play, obviously, was a pass play. I think it was a scramble by Justin Fields for a first down. Then Moody had the lateral, like the the, the lateral throw to him. Um, it was just a little two yard gain. Then they had a little busted play that, that I wrote down was a busted play. And then he had went deep for a throw. I just, I don't know. I mean, how can you be tired second series on the fifth play of the second series? But could be him sticking up for Justin Fields as well. Yeah. Saying that he, you know, overthrew him. You know, I don't want to read into it too much, but um, that could just be a teammate stepping up for his for his uh, his other teammate saying, you know, he overthrew me. Maybe I could have got there. Maybe I couldn't have, but maybe taking the blame for it. I suspect that's what it is, Patrick. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good teammate, and those guys are very tight, and uh, and we know they've been working very hard. And I I think he doesn't want to. Yeah. Say that the quarterback overthrew him, so he's going to say that. Oh, that's on me. That that's. Uh, that that's plausible in my opinion. And if and if that is the truth, I think that's I, I think it's great. It's because there's something's going to come back where Justin Fields will 
take the blame that he's done. And I, I just, you know, they'll, they'll take care of that within their own locker room. But I, I think if that is what it is, I'm, I'm, I like that. I like that better than him truly being tired. <laughs> you know, I, I want to ask you about that. I, um, we had a conversation during the week, uh, early in the week, um, about the idea that uh, that Justin or that uh, Jalen Jefferson. Je- I want to say Justin Jefferson. I want Justin yes. Jefferson on the. I wish Bears. we had Justin Jefferson. Yeah, sure. Jalen Johnson didn't <laughs> yes. speak in the post game, and then and then spoke uh, on the score. God bless him. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. But um, we we talked about this idea about aren't you. If you don't speak to the media, aren't you leaving other people to speak for you? Aren't you relying on other people to say, well, he was hurt, and of course he couldn't have made that play, whatever it might be. Now, you were always – you made sure you were – you very rarely made an error, but you were always available Mm -hmm. to talk if something had gone awry. You you just felt that that was important to do. I've always thought – I've always respected the guys – that, that are willing to talk when they have something go awry because you're not relying on anyone else to speak for you or defend you or you're not putting it on your teammates. I'm with, I'm with you 100%. And I think maybe you're talking about the time that I snapped the ball to Garrett Wolf up there in Green Bay on fourth down and we didn't get the first down on the fake punt. But there's more to that story. I don't want to go down that one. But, yeah, you take ownership in it, and it does stink. And you see it, that it's and it's a little uncomfortable in the locker room when guys are answering questions about another player. But – I've got to say this, each situation can be treated differently. If you are truly on fire and super hot and you know you're going to say something wrong, I don't have a problem with you stepping away and saying, okay, just let me calm down a little bit. He knew he was going to go on the score the next day. He knew that was going to be a topic of conversation. Okay, it doesn't pay to parents, but he knows he has to be there and do it then. Maybe he just looked himself internally and said, listen, I can't do this right now. I can get myself in trouble. I can get my teammates in trouble. I can just say something really stupid. Let me cool down and talk later. But the majority of the time, Molly, you're right. You want that player to stand in front of his locker or podium, wherever it is, and, and address the situation so your teammates don't have to talk about it. All right. Back to the phone lines. 312-644-6767. John is in Dallas listening online. Hey, John. Hey, man. I'm enjoying you guys, but I think y'all I got a couple points. I think y'all are a little soft today. Y'all should be furious at the way this game. The calls were called the last series. They don't even throw the ball down the field. My other two points, Claypool, in the last two games, what they targeted three times, maybe four? Are they kidding me? And then the last series, man, they all, we ought to be down. They losing on purpose, man. Come on, let's let's call it like it is. Let's be real. And I know if Doug Perform was alive, he'll be furious and calling it like it is. They losing on purpose. I'll hang up. All right. I I don't think Doug would say they're losing on purpose. He's been in that locker room. He's played on some bad teams as well. He, I don't even know. Well, never mind. But he's played on some bad teams as well. You're never trying to lose. Like you, you're, you're out there to win the game. The coaches don't go to work all week. Players don't go to work all week to try to lose. You know, there might be some different things that are going on upstairs with the management or whatever, and the players that are put on the field. But the coaches and players, there is no way you're going out there trying to lose. That's just that's impossible. And, yeah, I understand you should be upset about the last series of play calls. I get that. I'm upset about it. But, um, yeah, I'm upset they actually put Justin Fields in danger by doing that because he was injured in the first part with his hamstring. But, no, there is no way you're going out there to lose the game. There is no way Matt Eberflus is standing in front of that team and, and lying through his teeth talking about whatever their mission is that week, whatever that 
you know, the lines are that he's feeding them Wednesday morning in, in meetings about going to beat out the Atlanta Falcons or the New York Jets next week. There's no way you're doing that. Um, you, you know, I, I mean, to me, it's not even a question. You know, the, the, you can argue that, that the general manager, that the trades of mm-hmm. both Robert Quinn followed by Roquan Smith were like precision cuts into the team that have left them in a position where they're going to lose rather than win. I, I, I'm willing to make that argument and hear that argument all day. But you do not start Riley Reef at left tackle, excuse me, at right tackle at his age if you're trying to lose. You don't, you don't choose to play veterans over younger players. They're trying to win. If the coaches are trying to win every game. You don't spend all your time up in the facility. You don't expect the players to be there and do the same thing. The quarterback being there and working in the in the uh, uh, after every practice. You do, that they're not doing that in order to lose. No. And I I don't know a player that ever purposely went into a game trying to lose. I've never heard of that. I no. think that you know what happens is if you put the wrong guys on the field then you can give the other team an advantage. And you're kind of doing that based on what you've done with your front seven. That's management's decision. And that's at a higher level. And if they want to do that, that you know, the, the, the old adage is that the general manager is – that the coach is there to win in the right now and the general manager is to protect the future of the ball club from the coach. But the coach wants to win. The yes. players want to win. I, I would – I, I think it's far-fetched to think that they don't want to win. Yeah, I always take offense to that. That's just one I thing that too. bothers me that just, you know, it's it, you're a professional. You're trying to win every minute you're out there, whether it's even in practice, you're in the weight room. You're trying to be yes. the best you can. You want to win the game. Yeah, like you, you, you nailed it perfectly about the upstairs guys. You know, they're, they're doing it differently. But as far as the players and coaches, uh, they're trying to win. But one thing he also mentioned, Chase Claypool, and while you were talking there, I brought up, brought back stats about targets to Chase Claypool. The first week he was there, he was targeted six times. I think he only had two catches, but he was targeted six times. The, uh, against wow. the Lions, he was targeted two times. And yep. what's a day? He was only targeted three times? That's right. That's a little shocking. That the first week you're there and you're limited in the playbook, that you're targeted six times, and this time you've only been targeted, what, five times in the last two weeks. I haven't gotten a book yet, so I don't know how many plays they ran, and I don't know um, how many plays – he was on the field, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked about it. The percentage was 37% in the first week and 32% in the second week. So I wonder what that percentage is. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll have that for you tomorrow morning at 5:30 AM. If you want <laughs> yeah, to get up and listen, uh, let's try Isaac. Isaac is in Rockford. Hey, Isaac. Hi guys. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm furious about, the, the losing and I, I know some people are really happy about right oh you you want draft picks or whatever but if you're a hardcore Bears fan it wrecks you like I, I'm I'm a teenager and I go to school and I live in Rockford and you know there's Packers fans and stuff right. but it didn't used to be like that it used to be Rockford was Bears now there's Packers fans well, now the Packers are losing, but, you know, last year and stuff, it's brutal. You know, it sucks to lose. It's terrible. The players are trying. You know, it's terrible. 
Yeah, Isaac, no, I'm with you. So here, here's my thought on this. And been gone, what, eight or nine years, been out of the locker room playing. And as a player, you, you take it hard. But now I've got to take a little different look, right? I'm in the media. Um, I'm not in that locker room anymore. And you got to be realistic. So these last two weeks, to me, are very disappointing. Like I, you know, Maybe it's not my voice today, but these last two weeks going against the Detroit Lions and the Atlanta Falcons, those are very winnable games. Those are not very, because they're, they're both not good teams. But they're winnable games, and that's disappointing. But then you have to be realistic when they line up against the Bills in the future. The Miami Dolphins a couple weeks ago, the Cowboys. You want them to be competitive and maybe pull one out, but you got to be realistic as well. You don't really expect them to win. But these two last weeks really hurt me because after watching the tape and seeing this team, I expected them to win, knowing Justin Fields is the best player out there. I want, you know, this they're very winnable games for this team, and they didn't pull them out. So that's, that's disappointing to me. But going forward, when we see some of these much better teams on their schedule, we got to be realistic about it. Boy, I'm just watching a video here, Patrick, of Justin Fields being carted off mm. uh, for evaluation after the game ended, and he's still holding his left shoulder, but he is also, you know, he had his issues with his hamstring where they were working on it, and he was kind of looking at the tablet while they were stretching it out, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and the idea of seeing him carted off is pretty ugly. That is. That's interesting that, you know, if he just has a little hamstring tweak with his shoulder – I don't know if they're maybe trying to hurry him into the x-ray room. That could be one thing. Right. Could be a line in there with I all the guys after it. the game. There's times yep. you get you know, four or five guys getting the x-ray after the game just to make sure everything's okay. Uh, but for him to be carted off, that's kind of interesting that he couldn't walk off under his own power. James is in Missouri. Hey, James. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? We're good. Not good after watching this guy get carted off. Oh, how that's true. You? That's true. Um, yeah, I'm actually calling from a Cognac, France, but and I usually don't call in to talk shows, but this game really pissed me off because I think it was lost before the game even started. The game plan, the passing game plan was really poor. And then when you try to put Santos in there to kick the 56-yard field goal toward the end of the second quarter instead of pinning them back and having some momentum, knowing at least you're going starting the second half up three points, and then starting with that, I think that lost the momentum of the game. And to compromise Justin Fields at the end of the game is pretty consistent with the way Gessie has been play calling these last three games when they've had the ball in their hands to win the game. He comes out very conservative on the first couple of plays every time. But to run him two times when you know that he's compromised, when you see these hurt the announcers are telling you that he's pulling on his hamstring, he's pulling on his shoulder, and you run him two times, that's malfeasance and that's neglect. And I, I'm, I'm not going to go into their intent, but that's just poor coaching. This is the first game this year where the coaching lost a game for the players. That's all I've got to say. Have a James, good one. God bless you for calling from France. What, is it, it's got to be going on 11 o'clock there, right? What, what is the time? It's eleven seventeen. Jeez. Okay. Thanks for it's, calling in. <laughs> yeah. God bless you. No Thanks problem. for listening, and uh, that's awesome. That uh, you know, Viva la France. Um, I'm surprised you didn't want to talk about gutter against Ecuador in the World Cup. <laughs> gutter, the first home country to ever lose in uh, in the World Cup in the opening game. At any wow. rate, uh, that's awesome that he called it. Yeah. Luke Getzey. Is he being conservative in his play calling late, Pat? Or that's what I don't quite understand. Did he think 
that that was going – I mean, you don't make those calls unless you're setting something up or you're trying – you think you're going to get something out of it. I Again, the first run, clearly the guy wasn't ready to do it. The second run, uh, did you miss the first play? That That's what right, I thought. Right, right, right. I just don't understand that, you know, you want to get him going. You had a minute and 47. So we have seen drives start with, you know, the quarterback run game, get an eight-yard, second short or whatever. But – I just have a problem with the lack of communication, if there was any, between the training staff and the coaches, letting them know that he's limited. I mean, you yeah. could see that on the TV copy. I'm sure they saw that from the from the box as well. And, and once you're sitting up there, wouldn't you be like, hey, is, is everything okay down there? What do we have to limit on our call sheet right now? And just the way he was playing at the end and the way he was dealing with his hamstring and holding his hamstring and taking care of it on the sideline with a Theragun or whatever you call that thing, you would think right. that, all right, he's a little limited. we got to really use his arm now. Uh, we might put him in danger if he's running. It could put a season in jeopardy. He could pull his hamstring and miss four or five weeks. And I, 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 I question more of that that was going on, the communication between the player, training staff, and coaches. 312-644-6767. That's the telephone number. We're going to get back to your calls regardless of what corner in the world you are calling from. <laughs> and we'll do that next. It's the postgame show on The Score. What did, what did you and him discuss about those play calls after the game? No, I'm just telling him what, you know, what my communication to him is. It's, it's simple, is that I'm telling him what the operation of the offense is, meaning you're on the ball or I'm calling timeout so he knows, okay, and then he rips the call. And then we're in two-minute mode from there. And then, then when it gets to a certain point, I say, hey, I'm timeout, on, on inb- timeout inbounds in the next play. I might tell him that, but uh, uh, we're just uh, operating in a normal two-minute mode. We're back with more of the Scores Bears post-game show with Mully from the Mully and Haw Show and former Bears long-snapping Ironman Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the post-game show on The Score, and that was the voice of Matt Eberflus, and if I heard that correctly, he said it's all on Lugetzi. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. What What did you think of that? What did you think of uh, what he said there about, hey, you know, we we're in this mode and here we go, and you call the plays. Yeah, that's what I got. You just you you do that, and then I'm in charge of clock management and things like that. That's all I got. They're, they're, like he said, yeah. we're in our normal two minute operation. You know, he gives the play calling to Luke Getzey, and he's in charge of the clock, so he tells him when to call the timeout and things like that. So it's I didn't I didn't take anything major out of that. I mean, that's just that's normally what happens. Yeah, no, it's just it's just he's talking about the separation of church and state, right? Yeah. Getsy runs mm-hmm. his own operation. He's the offensive coordinator. Here we go. We're going to do this two-minute drill. And as you say, he is the guy that uh, that is going to have to, you know, they're going to communicate, but he's not yeah. a play caller, and he doesn't pretend to be. No, and you don't want to hamstring your, your, your play caller that way either. Right. You hired him for a reason, right? You hired him to put you put trust in him to, to make those calls. There might be a discussion – um, on the team bus or the plane tonight or tomorrow morning when they sit down in, in, in staff meetings and say, why were you calling this? What were you thinking with the play calls? Right. That would be a discussion, but I don't think you're you're questioning, and I'm sure Luke Getzey has a, a thought and a reasoning why he did what he did, and uh, maybe we'll hear about that. I'm sure we will. I'm sure the questions will be asked, but, yeah, I think that's the normal normal way to go about it. Yeah, I, I, no big surprise. Um, and, and I would recommend to people not turning on the guy, you know, we no. were talking about, oh, God, what's going to happen if we lose this guy? He's going to be a head coach. 
that he didn't suddenly become an idiot because he ran a couple plays you didn't like. It's just that's just the nature of the NFL. It's just kind of maybe you were setting something up and you didn't realize how how um, impaired the quarterback was, and then it became apparent. I think to everyone. Yeah. Let's try. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We should let you know that the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download that BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And we have Luke. He's in Elmhurst. Hey, Luke. We lost Luke. Damn it. That's no, Luke. Name. Maybe Luke Patrick. will call back. <laughs> Patrick's uh, on the north side. Hey, Patrick. Hey, I don't know. I mean, I know this is going to sound harsh, but if Luke Getzey had an original thought in that game today, it died of loneliness because I don't know what they were doing except we we're going to run. We we're going to run Fields on that last series. The first play was Fields on a sweep. You don't see him laying on the on the turf getting his, his uh, hamstrings massaged. You don't see him in practice running and know that his his, his legs are getting heavy. I mean, I, I just don't get that call. I don't get it at all. I mean, it was like the Bears' plan was today, we want to win this game. We're going to let uh, uh, Fields run the ball 13, 14, 15 times. It, it's ridiculous. And some of these receivers, they need to get open, okay, because they're not open. You know when they're open? When, when Fields scrambles for seven seconds, eight mm-hmm. seconds. Well, anyone could get open. You get open. You know, I mean, this is crazy. You know, being realistic here, if you're the Bears, you know – you're trying to win, but you also know we're, what we're doing here is we're looking at who we're going to keep, who we can develop, who we're going to get rid of. You know all you need to know about Fields. So you didn't need him. That last series, he should have been on the sidelines. I'm sorry. He should. So now he's probably got a separated shoulder. He's done for the season. The season of what? The season of, of, of losing. We knew that going in, that they were going to be bad. I mean, I don't get it. People are talking about Getzey as a head coach. Yeah, well, if you want your quarterback, Bruin, that's a good idea. Get him. You got a quarterback with big money you don't want to pay? Hire Luke Getzey. He'll end it for him. Wow. Wow. Well, come on, guys. You know, if you told me next year that the Bears are going to go into camp or or a season with a bunch of free agents and a a bunch of high draft choices with really good talent, but no fields because he's recovering from a a knee injury or a bad shoulder injury, I'm not optimistic at all. He is is the franchise quarterback we're looking at, and you're running him on a design sweep. When he can't run, you could see he couldn't run. You could see his legs were not the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, I think that it was pretty extraordinary. Um, according to Next Generation Stats, Justin Fields scrambled 33.2 yards on the play that he threw the pass to Equinemius St. Brown for the first down. So he was running around like a maniac, but it wasn't one of these things where – he was running 20 miles an hour, right? Yeah, he's I not mean, hitting top speed. He's just right, he's, gall- right. he's galloping around. <laughs> yes, yes. And, 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 I, and Patrick had some good points there, too. I mean, I agree. It, there were a little too many quarterback runs called for me, just straight-up runs in the game. The, the goal line run where he ran in for a touchdown, those are the ones I like. I like the ones maybe to get him started on a first and 10 to see if he can get his, you know, just get going a little bit. But 
those two calls of the two runs in the last last drive are going to be questioned a lot. I get that. I understand that, and I disagree with those calls, and maybe Luke Getze does too. Maybe he looks at himself, he's like, dang, I really missed that. Um, and then he also talked about the receivers not getting open. You know, we got on the O-line. They give up four sacks. There were some times that Schofield did not have a very good game. Grady nope. Jarrett is an excellent three technique or a yes. tackle there for the, the Atlanta Falcons. But there were times, too, when Justin Fields is patting the ball. And then, granted, it might be max protection. There might be seven-man protection in there. So it's limited guys out on routes. But guys got to get open. You know, was Claypool in there? And that's a the guy they they brought over yes. to be open, right? You know, even if he's covered, he's open. We talked about yep. that. You know, there's players like that. Alshon Jeffrey was kind of like that, being a bigger yes, body. Yep. You could still just throw it to him even if he's covered because he's either going to catch it or it's going to go incomplete. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the All-22 on those plays because there were a few where the O-line, the max protection, all that stuff was was really blocked up pretty well. And Justin Fields, you know, bounced around and made some plays. But I'd like to see what Justin Fields was seeing of, of or, or or not seeing, you know, not making the throw. The um, the other thing about Fields throwing that pass to Equinemius St. Brown and buying time and running around, he apparently, the time to throw was 10.98 seconds. <laughs> he held that ball for basically 11 seconds, and that is the longest third down conversion over the last six seasons. Yeah, I mean, this, this he is special. I mean, his athletic ability is just special. You know, we were talking with Anthony in the pregame that, yes. you know, he, he's he's improving, and it's gradually improving. And once he gets to a point, and if he can get to that point where he can truly be a master of the offense pre-snap and then go ahead and rip it and hit these open guys and, and these anticipation throws, then then we're talking about it's truly a special quarterback. But he is on his way. It's just taking a little time right now. And I, I like his growth, and I like what he's done, but – Man, those plays like that, Molly, they're just they're wow plays. They're they're you sit on the couch and you're just shaking your head. You're like, we actually get to see this in Chicago as a Bears fan? This is fantastic. Maybe not beyond today, Pat. Oh, uh, don't talk that way. I'm sorry. Positive uh, vibes. Yeah. Just, as Spiegel says, positive vibes. Yeah. Hey man. <laughs> um let's try Rich. He's in Old Town. Hey Rich. Hey guys. Uh, I had a couple of things for you. I think Patrick can relate to this. Uh, because I heard this from former coaches that I played for. And I think there are two things that are fundamental, not just for today's game, but continue to pop up. And the first one, I think I mentioned this to you guys before, but the guy that I used to play for called it, uh, you, you can't win by rotating ball tires. And that's what they're doing with their O-line and the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, the cast of characters they have, and I realize you got to play who you have, but – that's fundamental to, 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 to develop a winning program. And the other thing is, which really alarms me, and I may be wrong about this, and you guys would know more than I, but I think the Bears have had the lead in all 11 games at some point in every game. And the, the term that I don't was think used they on, did against Dallas, Rich. I, I think that okay. might have been the one, but I, I hear what you're saying. All right. But the, but the thing that crossed my mind, because I heard it my whole life, as a former player, was you've got to learn to bayonet the wounded. Don't ever let guys come back on you. Put them away. And I like the term bayonet the wounded. The Bears don't do that. The Bears have a history this year of getting a lead and then letting the team come back and not closing them out in the fourth quarter. And the other thing, too, the last thing, and I'll turn it back to you guys. I wanted your comments on this. The vaunted Bears rushing offense 
when you field strip, not to be a, a pun, but you take fields out of the running game, they had 75 yards today for 3.3 running average. And you can go back and look at the entire season when he's the sixth leading rusher in the league. I'm, I don't understand where they're talking about the vaunted rushing. You take away fields. I think the Bears' rushing offense goes from first to seventeenth. Yeah, so that, I think it's a, it's great call, Rich. I, I yeah. mean, here's the thing, that, that, Patrick. There's no doubt that mm-hmm. they missed Khalil Herbert today. Yes. I mean, they did, but they, you know, the special element of the running game is the quarterback, and everyone knows oh, 100%. it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and it's the scrambling. You know, a lot of those have been. Uh, a lot of those big log runs have been off the scrambles as well, but he is still part of the running game. I mean, I, I would love to go. That's a good call, Rich, because I'd love to go back and find out, you know, just some of the called quarterback runs, you know, if you added that, because yeah. that is a quote-unquote run. Um, and then <laughs> he talked about bayonet the, bayonet the wounded when you're up. Here's the problem. They don't have the talent to do it. They just don't yeah. have the players with the, that, that can end the game the receiver that's going to get a bomb and just take over the game or running back that makes a big run. They do. They have one player. It's Justin Fields, but they don't have everybody else. And who on defense is going to do that? They don't have anybody in the front seven that when they're up, you know, they're going to pass. They can get to the quarterback and change the game. They just don't have that. So it's a good quote about band editing wounded, but they don't have the players to finish the games like that. And that's two 10 point leads they've lost. And I, I put that on the front seven too, because normally teams are going to start passing then, right? And you can't get after the quarterback. It's, you know, the game's over. And he had a great point about the offensive line and the injuries and yes. lack of protection and working together. I was just writing it down. So you've had a different right guard. You've had a different left guard. You've had a different center. Now you have a different right tackle. So four of the five guys have moved around or been in and out of the lineup. And that is difficult. And to me, when you have a young offensive line or an inexperienced offensive line or what they have right now, it is, it's an awesome thing to watch and see because I've been in no line rooms when they do grow together and they get all these snaps put together all these games put together and they start just kind of playing symbiotic. They understand what's going on next to them on twists, uh, pre-snap, they, like there's nonverbal calls. They know what's going to happen and they're ready just to block it up. And that's tough to do when you have that many moving parts. When you have four different starters moving in and out of the lineup, that's very difficult for those guys. There's not a shadow of a doubt that, that it is, um, it is really difficult for them. And, and you know, the, the special that they have is the quarterback. Yeah. Other than that, they don't really have anything special. They don't have anything that you would look at or point to and say, this is better than any other team has, or this is different than any. They're, they're a fairly ordinary, uh, you know, kind of try hard football team, but they're not overwhelming anyone with talent. That That's the reality. They look like the Falcons, and they look like the Lions, and I wish they would have beaten those teams. That's what I was hoping for. Jim is in Dyer. Hey, Jim. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, you guys, a uh, couple points I just wanted to bring up, and I think you touched on it very well. Um, the Bears, you know, the talent it just is not there. But for the Bears to compete, they need to be the card counters at the table. They need to be able to figure out a way to, you know, to tilt the odds back in their favor. And I think some of the play calling today, again, you know, I, I like that, that that deep shot that they did to Mooney. Again, unfortunately, it was overthrown a little bit. But you got to keep the defense honest. And I, I, I'm really disappointed in the use of Claypool since we've got him. It just doesn't seem that he's not really fit in this offense. And I'm, I'm venturing to guess that he 
he's having some difficulty with the playbook adapting to it because I know, you know, the offense has side adjustments for the wide receivers. I know there was one play, I think him and uh, St. Brown were lined up and they had to switch spots and he, he didn't seem like he had an idea as far as where he was supposed to line up. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I'll hang up and I'll let you guys uh, respond to that, but thanks for taking my call. Yeah, that, that was a good call by Jim. That's a good point. Yep. When, that's a yep. great point when he talked about St. Brown and Claypool switching spots. And it was talked about last week, right? When Claypool had to go in when there were injuries, he didn't know the call. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. They just kind of told him where to line up. And they're like, all right, here goes the play. Um, you know, he's still learning. And Luke Getzey also talked about his offense is complicated for those receivers. So this is going to be maybe take some time to, to get fully integrated into this offense. But again, was it three weeks ago? He had six targets. They, they called plays to get the ball in his hand. And if he is, and was, if he was traded to be a playmaker for this team, you know, you talk about gadget plays for Valus Jones. You've got to call plays for him to get the ball in his hand just to see what he can do. And we've seen it a couple times when they throw the little swing pass. Darnell Mooney gets tackled. What does Claypool do? He's, he's able to make the guy miss and, you know, get eight, nine, 10, 11 yards. So, I would like to see more out of them. And, you know, Jim talked about the talent. And this week, too, I was just looking at the stats. They had seven penalties this week. Well, they had nine last week. Yes. With the lack of talent, you yep. can't have that. And I guarantee you that's preached to them. Like, listen, guys, you don't tell them to their face, like, we don't have enough talent. We can't, we got to play a perfect game. You just tell them we need a more clean game. You know what I mean? We need to play a clean right. game. We can't have these penalties. We have to stop this. And um, they were doing a pretty darn good job for the first part of the year until these last two weeks. And, it just stinks to see that happen against an equal opponent, and that, that might have been part of the difference with nine penalties last week and seven this week. Let's try uh, Tom. Tom's in Rockford. Hey, Tom. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Good. Um, the question I have, and I understand, I understand the rule, but when you see, like, Brisker and when he hit Mariotto and, you know, tapped him with his hand on the foot and he went down, they call it a – 15-yard roughing the uh, passer, but then that last drive that uh, Fields had, and this has happened often with Fields, he runs for five yards, he slides, and somebody comes up from behind, didn't hit him hard, but yet still hit him. And why isn't that penalty called? And is that something that, I know the game's over, but is that something that the coach and GM for any team can go uh, to the NFL and lobby that. Well, Tom, they'll send that in and say, hey, listen, why, why is this happening? Why is it called this way? And you're calling that one that way. And you'll get an apology letter or they'll explain why it's that way. And it, it doesn't help you at all. But I'm with you, man. It's it was I think it was Kyler Gordon. I get confused, too, with Brisker and Gordon being six and nine. When they're out there, I'm trying to figure out who's who making the play or not making the play. <laughs> but that that's just a terrible call they had on Mariota. And then it's true. The Justin Fields, he was hit in the head. I mean, it hit him to, in the head. I, I just, I, I don't understand how they're not being, um, they need to be more consistent with their call. You know, if they really want to protect these quarterbacks, protect them all. Don't protect some other than, more, uh, more than others. I mean, we saw Tom Brady get tackled in the pocket and they threw a flag saying roughing the passer. Um, so I just, I wish that would be called more consistent. And it, it's been weird. And I'm not one to complain about penalties. And it's been weird this year. You know, this is another week where this is two penalty, one non-called or one called yeah. that has really hurt the Bears, and it seems like we're we're getting a lot of these. And I'm and again, like I said, I'm not one to to blame refs and call refs out, but it seems like now you're stacking weeks on weeks on weeks on weeks of calls that are just 
just you know they're getting downgraded obviously in, in the officiating office, but it's hurting the Bears. It's it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it, it's really it's too much. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it it is you know as you say, they're going to get that letter from the league that this should have been called or that should have been called. They they will go over the tape and they will send in the play and they'll complain about it. And as Dave Wanstead told us, when you get that letter, what you do is you yeah you you crumple it up and then you throw it in the garbage because that's about all it's good it's for. Yeah. You know, great. The officials might be impacted on whether they're going to make money for playoff games. That yeah. doesn't help you at all. That no. doesn't help you. No, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't make you feel any better. I just, I, th- I think I've told you many times that, you know, Dave Tobit's bring it, you know, bring that up in our meetings and special teams meetings. It was a block in the back. that was a phantom one that we got called. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't make a difference. Move right. on. Because somebody yep. would raise their hand and be like, hey, coach, what, what did the NFL say? He goes, does it really matter? No. Does it really matter? matter at all. No, it doesn't it. matter to us right now. Yeah. All right. We got to take a timeout. 312-644-6767. We've got Patrick Manley. It is the postgame show on the score. Yeah, he, uh, he got banged up at the end. And, um, I mean, he's a, he's a tough guy. He, he's our heart on our offense. He, He's a he's a reason why we go, um, and we're all behind him. Seeing him get up and, and get back in the huddle and talk like as if, as if nothing happened on the sideline, and um, just uh, knowing that we're we're looking at him and, and we, we we feed back off of him. So um, I mean he's a he's a tough guy. He's my guy, and um, I mean I, he's he, he's gonna be good for sure though. We're back with more of the Scores Bears postgame show with Mully from the Mully and Haw Show and former Bears long-snapping Ironman Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. Oh, boy, oh, boy, it is the postgame show on The Score, and Patrick, it was not a wonderful game for the Bears. 27-24, the quarterback... Is uh, is not able to walk off. He is carted off, and maybe that was just to get him quicker to the uh, to the tent. I don't know. I mean, to, to hopefully the, uh, the MRI X-ray room. Machine. Yeah, they, they had a lot of guys banged up in the game, right? I mean, um, you saw at different points. Uh, Adams, the linebacker, was in mm-hmm. the tent. You saw that uh, that they uh, were struggling with. Uh, with various people having to get checked out uh, for for whatever, and um, uh, Kyler Gordon, I think, was in there at one he point. Did. Yep. I mean, it, it, there was a lot of uh, of of kind of concern there. And again, when you start talking about uh, uh, everything that's going on, Jaquan Brisker at one point he had a great game, but at one point he had to go into the the the, the, the tent and get looked at, and I believe. David Montgomery had to come out of a game to go get looked at at one point. And, man, I mean, Fields took a beating. This is a Falcon Falcons team that came into the game with 13 sacks in 10 games, and they managed four against the Bears quarterback. That is just not good enough. Yeah, and seeing those stats and watching the film going into this week, I thought maybe this was a game where you could take advantage of the Atlanta Falcons. A.J. Terrell came back, obviously, their, their top cornerback. He'd been out for a while. And I was like, okay, well, if he's back, but still, their front four are not dangerous. Lorenzo Carter, I think he had a sack. Grady Jarrett had a sack. But my big thing was Grady Jarrett. Take care of him. If you take care of him up front, then maybe you can just throw the ball a little bit more. And we didn't see that. We saw more quarterback runs in the same game. But 
I think coming away from this game, Molly, we want to see, like we talked about, we want to see Justin Fields develop. Some people want to see the Bears lose and see those two combined. But right now, we got just got to worry about is he healthy or not. You know, how banged up is he? Yep. Um, yep. You know, the teammate there was talking about him, said he's good. But you really don't know until you get an X-ray on him, an MRI on him, to find out what's really going on in there. But just my fingers are crossed that, he's, that, that, that everything is okay because I've really liked what I've seen in his development so far. And I just want to see him continue this and then maybe win some games at the end of the year. Maybe this young team gels a little, get and st- gels a little bit and steals some games. And then we look forward to the offseason to see what happens next year. But right now to me is how healthy is he? Yeah, it, that's the big story. And, and uh, Flusi gave us uh, an update, said that he'll let us know on Wednesday. Uh, Paul. <laughs> you Paul know what that from- means, though? You know what that means? And there's going to be a lot of tests. Yeah. That's what that's, I read from that, that there's a lot of tests that got to get done that maybe he does right? have to get in, you know, the MRI machine, take an hour, hour and a half laying on your back here and that could think, could think, could think that he's maybe got to get in to do that. I mean, that, that could be, maybe that's not a good sign because sometimes coaches will come out that's and be not like, a good sign. yeah, yeah, it's just not a good sign to hear that he's not going to say till Wednesday. Do you, do you ever get claustrophobic, Pat? Cause that uh, MRI machine. I don't like those things, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like them. I had too many of them too. I don't like uh, them. Yeah, that, that's an awful thing. Uh, Paul is from Morton. Hey, Paul. Hey, what's up, fellas? It's good. Hey, I, can I go the other way? I've been listening to the, your callers. I'm optimistic. I don't get all the negativity. We got our guy. We got our guy. We got pieces on defense, uh, maybe a couple on offense. This is the first year of the administration. Let's give these guys some time to figure out. They're no nonsense. It seems to me they're old school. If you don't practice, you don't play. Hmm. Uh, I, I I think Justin Fields is Lamar Jackson that can throw the ball. I just think this is – I think next okay. year – I I think he, next hey, year hey, where – you know, yeah. Paul, thanks for the call, and I appreciate your optimism. But if anything happens to the quarterback, let me tell you something. This team's not worth watching, okay? No. I'm just being honest. If we've got to go through the last six games of the year without Justin Fields, and I'm not predicting that, but there is a concern here, that is a disaster. Because other than that, what really do you have? I mean, you've got a handful of players yeah, you know there there are a lot of players needed to win in the NFL, and you are nowhere near having enough. You've got relatively little, and and you'd be hard pressed to field a football team even with all the draft picks and the money and all the rest of it. I, I mean, I I appreciate your optimism, but I, I'm I'm not feeling great right now. No, I'm with you. And could you imagine Trevor Simeon? Well, he wouldn't be able to run the offense we have right now. But why I see your hands on your head there? Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, I trying to run, try, oh, trying to run a real true, uh, true pro style offense with this offensive line and some of the pieces around him. I would feel bad for Trevor Simeon. Yeah, I really would. Yeah. And then, then, then maybe we could see the true genius of Luke Getzey coming up with an offense that could score 30 points with Trevor Simeon as your quarterback. Oof. I'll repeat it. The Falcons came into the game with 13 sacks and 10 yeah. games, and they got four. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Think about that. The uh, We got John. John's in Chicago. Hey, John. We lost John. Let's get right to Tony. He's on the south side. Hey, Tony. 
Hey, thank you for taking my call. Thanks uh, for hanging some of with these us. Callers, yeah. Thank you. Some of these callers, where do they come from? Uh, the coaching is terrible. The last every time in the fourth quarter, it's the coaching. I can very, I can look at it and see fields were hurt. I can look at fields on the field. Something's wrong with him. Why are they running him with a minute forty-seven to go? And he, he, people are talking about Lou Getz because he was Rogers' quarterback coach. Rogers was an elite quarterback. Basically, it was Rogers. These guys come to Chicago with this false pedigree, like Nagy saying that he was Patrick Mahomes' coach. That was a lie. You have uh, Andy Reid and Beanie there. They helped Mahomes. You could tell when he got here. Nagy was incompetent, and these two individuals that's running, one's running the office and the head coach, I don't see them just as assistant coaches, not leading the team. And Fields is the best player on the team. Why are you running him like that? Because he can run? Are you serious? He's not going to last the whole season. The man's going to be hurt. And that's all I have to say. Well, I think that's a little darker. I mean, there's yeah. got to be a middle ground between <laughs> those That's a complete opposite calls. calls right there. But that's, <laughs> that's the Bears fan. You got, well, you know, one thing common, one thing in common is they both have passion. And I love hearing that. They yes. have passion about the Bears, and that's fantastic. Yeah. But, no, you talk about the fourth quarter. Okay, we, we got to go back to St. Uh, Brown drop, the uh, Marset Smith issue he had. They had opportunities in the fourth quarter. And, yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more execution um, from this offense in the fourth quarter, but they have players around them that are not helping them when it's when it's coming down to it. And then he gets on Luke Getze. I, I still give Luke Getze credit because we talked about how do we get points here in Chicago. He's had 30-plus points the last few weeks. He had 24 today. He had more points than, than he – they could have won the game if they don't give up the special teams touchdown, right? They win the game with that. So he scored enough points offensively to, to win the game between the offense and defense, but you throw special teams in there. It's a very important phase, obviously. I believe in that. It's the third phase. But they gave up seven points with that. Um, I don't have a problem with uh, Luke Getze. I, I know that everybody's going to rave about the, the last drive in the fourth quarter, but, you know, I'm sure he's upset at himself too. Apologies to Rocky. We didn't get to him and to Joe. And uh, Patrick, want to say that uh, I forgot to thank Adam Staczynski in the, uh, in the uh, pregame. So, Apologies to Adam and thank you. No. Oh, he knows we love him. He knows we well, love him. Well, he questions He him just likes I, to hear his name on the radio. That's all it is. I, I brought him up him. earlier this week, too, and gave him credit about the, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski and Jack Sanborn uh, comparison. And, <laughs> and Tyler uh, uh, Biederbaugh, thank you, Tyler. Great job. Really appreciate your hard work. Uh, Pat, are you on tomorrow? You're on Tuesday, right? I'll be on Tuesday with the uh, Bernsey and Holmes. All right, that's great. And I will be on tomorrow at 5.30 a.m. Why don't you uh, tune in and we'll give you all the breakdown on who played, how many penal- how many uh, plays and all that stuff. We'll have the, the Chase Claypool. We'll have the book by then, so it'll make yeah. it a lot easier to break it down. Uh, a lot of fun. Listen, you know, it is what it is. We'll get the breakdown later in the week. We'll find out if the quarterback's healthy. Why don't we all say a little uh, novena until then? <laughs> That uh, is one way to do it. Uh, appreciate everyone listening and, uh, and tons of fun again. Again, tune in 5.30 tomorrow morning. I'll be here with uh, David Haw. Never really go away. Uh, maybe take Thursday off. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Haw. <to all. laughs>
I hope you do. Happy, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Surely we get a day off. All right, that is the postgame show for Patrick and I. Thank you again for listening at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.